Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste. It's tricky to language spiritual teachings these days because many people have an allergy to the God word and uh, some people have allergies to various other terms. And one can avoid <clears throat> using such terms, but in a way it, it creates a somewhat of an unnatural deviation from the full spectrum of understanding of the absolute if we have to avoid certain terminologies. So I hope that it will be acceptable to recognize that there's a universal equivalent, whether we speak of the Buddha nature or Wuji or the Tao, or we speak of Allah, or we speak of Shunyata, or we speak of uh, Brahman, or the Buddha nature, or we speak of God the Father, or we speak of God the Mother, or God as Artha Narishwara, the Lord who is half woman, half man, or we speak of the impermanent, luminiferous ether, that uh, is impersonal and all containing and all creative, or we speak of uh, Christ consciousness or Krishna consciousness, it doesn't really matter. All of them contain all of the variations of the spectrum of the higher chakras and of the personal and the impersonal aspects of the Absolute. But it's useful to be open to receiving information from the Absolute in all of those various forms that it may come, personal or impersonal, transcendent or imminent, as signs in the phenomenal world or as uh, inspirations or interdimensional uh, visions and also as that Absolute transcendental uh, glory that is indescribable of union with the absolute in its essence. So in whichever way that uh, this uh, may come to you or in all of the above, the more open we are to the acceptance of the unimaginably miraculous, the more that we invite that kind of experience and imperience to be given to us. So on my way here this morning, I jotted a few notes that might be helpful. We'll find out.
So when you begin to meditate, uh, you will probably uh, begin if you have a, a devotional sense that comes with meditation. If it's not simply, okay, I'm going to do breathing exercises to relax my body or, you know, repeat a nonsense syllable like, like some forms of meditation or about, or I'm just going to uh, observe and take note of what arises. But if there's an actual intention of transcendence of the ego that is motivating the meditation, it creates a very different frame of reference that allows information to be received that otherwise wouldn't. And what will happen in the first phase is that you will begin to become aware of perhaps a vague presence that is greater than the ego, that is somehow around or in the space. And this may be only a very intermittent phenomenon or it may become constant and very strong, that you actually feel the presence of God or of Christ or of Buddha or of Krishna or however you, uh, you language that depending on your cultural or religious beliefs because uh, the, the force will come to you in any way that you uh, wish to interpret it. It's beyond any of those interpretations. Those are all imaginary uh, ways for the mind to try to grasp what is happening to it. But the capacity of that power to shapeshift into whatever form uh, will be um, uh, something that you would like to invite into your mind is how it will come. Now, if you're close to that, it may come in a wrathful form. It may come in a form that disturbs you because you, you are uh, trying to keep out this power that wants to uh, uh, enter into your consciousness. But if, it, if you are invoking it, or he or she or that, then you will find that it, it will come in a, a form that will be recognizably friendly and beautiful and um, offering a kind of salvation from your suffering. So that presence as you meditate will tend to get stronger and it will make you feel not so alone in your consciousness. It will make you feel that you're being guided and it will bring about a, an extra alertness for trying to absorb more and more of what that energy is uh, radiating into your space and into your sense of being. In the second phase, that presence will become more powerful and will literally be present in the form of Shakti. Shakti means power, but you will kind of feel like you're in a downpour of, uh, of energy that is coming from a transcendent source. 
And the more you allow yourself to absorb it and don't wear some impermeable membrane or raincoat to try to keep it out, but the more that you are a sponge willing to absorb it, that Shakti will increase until you are filled with, a, with an energy that gives you a buoyancy in life. That, that energy cushions the shocks of a real one, as we call it, the, the phenomenal plane reality. And that Shakti brightens one's aura. It cleanses uh, the, the auric field and it helps to, uh, to get the flow of the prana. The Shakti is a higher level. It's Shiva Shakti, we call it in India. And that becomes at a step down vibrational level, the pranic energy that actually is the life energy that the cells use for their nourishment and communication. So it increases the life energy in the body as well as the sharpness, clarity, and uh, capacity for focus and perseverance in the mind. So if you are receiving the Shakti, that's a very good omen. And uh, it tends to become stronger and stronger the more you're aware of it and the more that you invite it and uh, are, are using it to a good purpose. In the third phase, that energy will be felt as prema. It will be felt as divine love. That it's not just energy that's being given to you, but you're being loved. This is how you're being loved by God. And if you can accept that love and return it, it will increase. The more that you offer love in return, the more that you will receive, and that love will give you a sense of goodness and well-being and fulfillment. And, and that love will itself solve most of the problems that your ego has regarding uh, how it should live because it will no longer be dependent on phenomenal sources of love or desire in order to feel complete and whole. So eventually one becomes so immersed in divine love that, that one is, is, is filled with it and becomes an embodiment of it. And, and the love becomes one's new real. We call love, divine love real too. You're no longer uh, concerned with the phenomenal plane uh, and the apparent uh, dissonance of events in that field. But now in the state of love, everything is beautiful and perfect and there are no problems. And your interest is only in maintaining the constant flow of that love and the more that you give out and share with everyone in the world the more you will receive so that's god's economic system
in the fourth phase, uh, the, the love is accompanied by uh, direct information. Because the universe is made of information, uh, the, the power of the absolute comes in that form, as well as in all of these others. And it's information that at first you may not know how to make use of. The information is actually initializing your own intelligence to be able to understand what it is really telling you and what are the implications. So you may get flashes, you may get certain thoughts that suddenly come as inspirations. You, you may get uh, a precognitive sense of something that's going to happen and then voila, it happens. Or it may come in some a way that enables you to solve problems that you hadn't been able to solve, uh, whether in, in your personal relationship or at work or in, in some project, uh, artistic or scientific. And so the information then uh, begins to grow and as it accumulates, it gives you a whole different kind of knowledge about reality than the knowledge you were taught and it enables you to throw out that false knowledge that you used to depend on, the empirical knowledge and the, the, the pseudo uh, ideas that were actually ideologies that you, you were taught about what reality is. And you now get an entirely new knowledge base that gives you a sense of the past, the present, and the future in an entirely different paradigm than the one that you could have imagined. And this enables you to see the perfection of everything, because otherwise you're going to have a complaint. Why do good people suffer? Why does this and that have to happen? How can God allow war and plagues and poverty, etc.? All of those questions are answered when you receive this understanding of the logic and the knowledge behind all of this and how everything is absolutely the way it should be and, and there's no reason for complaint, okay? So uh, it's very important not to complain about the way God is running the universe <laughs> if you want to receive uh, more information about it, okay? That's just a suggestion for you. Uh, when you have uh, really gained a lot of, of knowledge it turns to wisdom, and that means you really know how to use the knowledge. You can apply it. You can turn it into the ability to help people heal from their suffering, and uh, you can begin to turn it into other forms of uh, understanding of how to make the world a, a more beautiful place. And so that wisdom then... Uh, has huge effects upon every decision that you will make in life that will be able to be made from a higher and level of, of understanding and therefore more accurate and better karma will result, better outcomes, better uh, results that will be able to be built upon. And because there is no longer an egoic sense of being an individual with this wisdom, the wisdom in a sense, uh, creates its own grid of, uh, of, of sharing and of recognition 
that everyone is a source of that same wisdom and that same power and that one is able to make connections with others in a, a state of far more trust because you'll know who you can trust and how much and, and you'll be able to know how to reach that place within them that can be trusted so that, that uh, relationality can uh, build to a place where there can be organizing of projects of spiritual transformation that otherwise would not be conceivable. And so there's an entire edifice of uh, spiritual structure that's being built that is based on the interconnectedness of all of us. Okay, the, uh, the next phase is that in which wisdom becomes power. And uh, at first, it will, it will simply be an augmentation of your willpower. You'll discover that you're able to persevere even when there are setbacks. And using wisdom, know how to deal with those setbacks in ways that may not be a bullheaded uh, uh, continuation of a path that is resisting, but can flow like water around the obstacles, but get to the result. But there will be also an augmentation of a different kind of power. The power that understands that the world is a dream. It's not some self-standing uh, material uh, uh, world that has no relationship to you that you have to force your way through. But it is entirely a mirror and a reflection and expression of that same supreme power that you are. And therefore, there is no enemy. There is no actual resistance if you know how to flow with the, the, the vertexes and vortexes of energies that you face in the phenomenal plane. And therefore, the wisdom to use that power becomes the ability to manifest, not as an ego, this is a, a, an important point, but what will manifest out of that power and that wisdom that is no longer a wisdom that belongs to an individual, what will occur will seem magical. Because it will not be based on cause and effect, but on synchronicity and sympathetic vibrations. And the vibrations that you are radiating out of love and power and healing help for all will be reciprocated in ways that cannot be predicted that will produce uh, windows of opportunity that otherwise wouldn't open. And, uh, and events and meetings that otherwise wouldn't have happened. And possibilities that would have seemed impossible. And that magic will augment until one reaches the level of the miraculous. So don't assume that there are any limits to what is possible. The only limitation is the ego itself that gets in its own way and prevents the flow. And that's the key then, to realize that 
The energy flows where there is no ego. The ego blocks the, uh, the path of the river. And so if there is no blockage of the sense of an opaque individual, but simply an empty consciousness that is the receiver and transmitter of that energy, then it, it happens in the most magical way possible. In the sixth phase, there will be a, an integration of the three aspects of the Absolute. There will be a sense of being that no longer depends on the body, no longer has any uh, interest in its bodily localization, because there, there is already a, a recognition of the universality, the cosmic scope of consciousness and one is now operating in that cosmic field, not operating any longer at an individual level or fighting with symptoms of suffering in the body or with other people or with any of those issues that tend to obsess an ego. But the, that, that cosmic scope is there because one has come to a not just a recognition, but a unification with the being that transcends the physical plane, which is pure appearance. It has no reality. And the unreality of this world becomes so clear and obvious that, that one functions from within the real itself, and appearance reflects back uh, the, the power that is being radiated. It can no longer fight you because you're not in duality any longer. And so this is very important, that that, that level of non-duality is reached in, in which all are not only interconnected, but are indeed a super-organismic intelligence. That has to become a realized truth, not simply a theory. And that happens along with the intelligence, the chit, that is the, uh, the, the power that has organized the world into ecosystems and into forms of complexity that transcend the power of any individual human mind to grasp, but that is embedded and inherent to the intelligence that we are at that level of the source. And along with that comes a kind of bliss that would be overwhelming if one was still within the body. It would be intolerable. It's a bliss that transcends uh, individual uh, boundaries and indeed makes one feel infinite and boundaryless, which to an ego would be terrifying, but to the, the real self is simply what is. And the final final phase, of course, Shivam. This is the, the zero point in which the infinitesimal and the infinite become one, and in which uh, one transcends all qualities. It's indescribable. It's nothing and everything, personal and impersonal. 
and it is that transcendent power that is untouchable and ungraspable by any mind that wants to know it as another or an object but the final merging into into shivam ends the journey the, it's the graduation from this school that we are in and from the cycle of time and birth and death and rebirth and into the realm of the eternal presence from which we need not uh, come back and uh, continue to learn because we will have learned all that is to be learned here and our destiny is leading all of us back to that point. How soon we get there will simply depend upon our readiness and our lack of conflict between that goal and any other goal one has on the phenomenal plane. The more one is concerned with the uh, earthly level of affairs, uh, the less one's attention can be focused on the supreme level and therefore it, it takes longer until one has recognized that you can't solve the karmic problems on this plane except through the transcendence to gain all of these powers that enable you to become master over uh, these illusory conflicts and resistances that otherwise you take to, to be real and important. But once you recognize there is nothing important to be gained or lost on this plane, then uh, you lose interest in it and the attention becomes given to that which is true and real and which gives you power. And that power then resolves all of the issues that you would otherwise need to go to a therapist to deal with. And it, it frees you from, uh, from every form of suffering forever. So it's highly recommended. And it's open to everyone but you have to be willing to take the leap into the unknown and uh, be willing to be open to kinds of uh, events in consciousness that will be uh, astonishing. And that to the ego, if there's still an ego, will create terror and dread because one will lose touch with everything that you had known previously. And uh, it's, it's a death, a death of one form of life, the ego form, and a rebirth at a higher form, a formless form. If you're willing to undergo that rite of passage, that death and rebirth, proves to be salvation. Okay. Any questions about that? Yes. Um, in meditation today, um, I, I asked to ask it because I, I didn't understand that ego or true. And in the meditation, 
I see um, the A here, A here, A here, Eagle. 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 The I Eagle. And I. Oh, the Eagle. Yes. Ah, ah, okay. I thought you said ego, and I went, ah, okay, no. eagle, okay, good, you saw an eagle. Yes, and I transform into mm -hmm. E. Mm -hmm. I, and, um, I, I... Say it in Spanish, and someone okay. will translate if I don't and, get it. And después, me vi de mar. Mar, the sea. sea. Mm -hmm. And the, I go to the peace. Now keep going in Espanol. Okay. <laughs> I uh, and Margaret. Um, you submerge in the yes. ocean. Mm -hmm. And uh, later I breathe and I feel the energy for the people mm. here mm -hmm. and energy for. a vision uh, of first the eagle, of course the flying, that, that freedom from the ego, right, the spirit. Yeah, you, you were in your soul and then you entered into the ocean of consciousness, into that infinite field in which we are all connected. And then you received love, right, a love that helped to heal you. And, uh, and you were able to radiate that love and feel one with it. So you went, a number of these phases were all given to you in this one meditation. That's very beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. It's a great blessing. So you can go very fast. You can go through all of these in one, you know, <laughs> sitting. Why take years? Mm -hmm. You mentioned in your book that uh, the entropy occurred with consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have all this, these kinds of layers of mm -hmm. um, non-blissful phenomena. But why would consciousness, which is not physical, mm -hmm. um, undergo entropy, which is, in my understanding, more physical mm -hmm. than... Mm -hmm. Well, remember, the physical itself is consciousness. This is, all of this is consciousness, but it's frozen consciousness 
that takes forms, uh, forms that change, they're temporary, and they are forms that are within the ether. We're in the etheric field right now, and these forms are simply appearances in the void of, of that divine light that is the actual essence of matter, of, of what you know, scientists call matter. But once consciousness comes in from that transcendent level, the highest vibrational frequency in which there is only the pure awareness and then it gets slightly denser in the light and then it gets much denser in the forms of the body, even then the body can vibrate at a very high rate or at a very low and very dense one. Uh, as time goes on, the bodies do become more dense because now they're not pure consciousness anymore. They, they are consciousness that has uh, reverberated and, sh and, and moved away from its own source and its own center, and it begins to feel as if it's a material world. We're not actually in a material world, but it feels that way. And the more we're identified with form and with uh, the cause and effect appearances within the world, the more we're caught within the gravity of that and within the same processes that all of nature undergoes, one of which is entropy. So we start out, if we go back in history, and, and, and the history you're taught is not the real history of the world. We have amnesia about the real history. So we don't know anything even about Atlantis or the truth of ancient Egypt, let alone of the civilizations far before that, of much, much higher uh, quality, technology, consciousness, everything. So we have fallen, and we're now in the final stages of what in India they call Kali Yuga at which the entropy has reached its lowest level. The consciousness can no longer sustain itself. The ego is totally fragmented. Egos themselves, the ego as a form of consciousness is very recent. It only began in Kali Yuga, and even if you go back to the Middle Ages or the classical Greek period or, or before that, uh, the, the, there was very little ego. It, we were living at a soul level, and uh, the, the, the society did not allow the, uh, the growth of, of egos because all decisions were made by the collective, by, by the, uh, the, the fortuitousness of your birth. If you were born in a certain family, you would do what your father did. You would be told who you were going to marry. Uh, you, you, you would, uh, it would be decided what was your religion and whether you were uh, someone who would go into the army or the church or the government or be a landowner or be a serf or whatever. It was all determined by uh, the, the forces of karma, of birth, not by decision. So the personal ego didn't have to develop. That's a very recent development where now the ego itself has been valorized and all of those other forces have been pretty much eliminated, even though the nuclear family system still has a huge influence on the ego. But the ego is taught to want autonomy and to, uh, to want to live as a lone wolf in the world and do its own thing. But it can't. It doesn't have the power to do that. But what has happened is it has uh, isolated itself. And pretty much everyone lives in a state of psychological isolation and uh, anomie, a, a sense of uh, a, a, a lack of relationality to society. It's not a community anymore. There's no shared values. 
There's no shared understanding of who, what is a man, what is a woman anymore. There's total confusion. And there is confusion about everything in your life, of the constant decisions you have to make. And this brings up great anxiety. And that de depresses and depletes the energy even more. So the entropy is increasing. And uh, the ego today feels very helpless and hopeless about the world, about itself, about ever getting its act together, and uh, about ever uh, finding even something meaningful to do in life. So uh, we are at a low point that had never been uh, in existence before. No culture has ever suffered from this level of degradation. Even though every civilization has a lifespan, like the Roman Empire, you know, after 800 years went into a, a degradation and collapsed and, and fell, but it didn't fall as low as the ego is today because there were still those communal and spiritual and religious forces that were holding things together. Now they have all dissipated. So we are now in a state where uh, we are completely uh, lost in terms of psychic energy to work our way out of the problems that we face. And the ego's compensation is aggression and paranoia. And we see that writ large in the political realm because the collapse of the Western empire and the rise of Russia, China, etc., has destabilized the world political and financial system. And the dollar is about to collapse and, and be destroyed as a, any, any fiction of value remaining to, to it. And so uh, as we go into that, the, the terror of the unknown and the, uh, the, the loss of all uh, that we could depend on, even the seismic uh, increase of earthquakes, volcanoes, sea rise, all of this shows that, the, and the, the die-off of most species of life in the world. None of this has happened before. And so we are at a point where life is no longer sustainable on this planet due to the misjudgments of our own minds. And it has come to a point where the last card that we have is, uh, is nuclear weapons. And most people today, if you ask them, because of the amount of suffering that people are in, the amount of suicidal tendency that they have, the amount of drug addiction in order to, to, to make them uh, not feel how much pain they're in, emotional as well as physical, the helplessness, the poverty, the destruction that governments have wreaked upon the world, destroying uh, Iraq, uh, Syria, Libya, we could go on and on. All of the, the world is being destroyed piece by piece. And, and it's finally coming to a final destruction. Everyone sees it, even though they want to be in denial and pretend we'll muddle through and all of that. But there isn't any longer the vision, the statesmanship, the power of, uh, of unification with an underlying organizing principle that everyone could agree with. There, there is no longer that sense uh, that we could eliminate corruption and bring justice back because everyone's corrupt and it's too late. It's, it, it has reached that point where there's so little trust between human beings that the, the web uh, of life and connectivity at the level of the ego is now impossible to restore. Once we recognize that, we realize it's going to, we're going to have to get a recharge of our batteries from this higher level or we're done for. And so that's really what in meditation becomes possible.
that recharge and the transcendence of the illusion, both uh, are, are happening simultaneously, so that there can be a, uh, a continuity, that the end can be followed by a new beginning. But, but we are at an end that has been prophesied by every uh, religion and spiritual order. Go ahead. If um, you were saying in the past, they didn't, people didn't really have egos, that's a more recent thing. Mm -hmm. If they didn't have egos, and we're, we say all the time here that the ego is the problem, mm -hmm. they didn't have one. Yeah. So they should all have been... But entropy happened. They did. For thousands of years, the world was at peace. There were no wars, there were no sicknesses. What we fell gradually from consciousness that was at the avatar level of, of total spirit consciousness, pure spirit, to soul level, and then gradually to soul and ego, and then ego, and the ego became from a sattvic level of ego to a rajasic to a tamasic, a, a, a density and, and, and further inertia and stupidity. So it was a gradual fall over a long period of time. Is it inevitable? Is it just a so yeah. cosmic cycle? That's right, yeah. But you see, each level has beauty to it. Just as the morning is beautiful, the afternoon is beautiful, and the evening and dead of night is beautiful. But now, fortunately, we're at the end of the night of history, and a new dawn is about to come. There, there's a, per, a perfection and beauty in all of it, but there has to be this uh, cycling so we know all of the possible permutations of reality. Okay. So we should just be able to relax and wait for the... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. And, and, and not only wait for it, but we are part of the, the, the dawn that's now emerging again through the light that we are getting in our own meditation. Okay. Kubera. Uh, what is the agency that distinguishes between the self and all the artifacts. That's the buddhi, right? So we have the ahankar, the manas, and the buddhi, right? These are three aspects of, uh, of consciousness. The ahankar is just the, uh, the, the part of the mind that spits out I thoughts. I want this, I want that, I hate this, I, want, I, I desire this, whatever. Uh, it, it's, it's always producing an I, I, I want and I, I feel and I demand and all that. Uh, then the manas is the chattering mind that deals with the fact that you can't always get what you want uh, and all of that, but tries to, uh, to manage life using the, uh, the knowledge base that uh, had been given to it, but uh, isn't capable of, of creative intelligence or uh, of shifting of paradigm. And then you get the booty. That's the in intellect that can discern not only uh, in phenomenal plane activities what is a wise decision and what would be stupid, but can discern the difference between the real and the apparent. The, the, the true and the false at a, a metaphysical level. When the booty is activated, when it is awakened, that's when you become a Buddha, right? That, that awakening is the capacity to discern nirvana from samsara and also that nirvana is samsara if seen correctly. But that, that discernment uh, 
happens when the, the booty opens. And that happens in, in these phases, really, when, when you move from love to information and wisdom. That, that's when that third eye opens and, and the mind is able to grok the, the whole of reality accurately. Until then, one is still in a struggle to figure things out. And this buddhi a non-personal quality? The buddhi is actually in the soul. It's the linchpin uh, between soul and ego. The ego derives from the soul, but the buddhi is that place that joins them. And the, the buddhi belongs more to the soul than to the ego, and therefore is able to uplift uh, ego consciousness and transform it back into soul consciousness. And when the buddhi is fully aware that it's receiving energy from even higher than the soul, from the Holy Spirit, if you will, or the Absolute, then the buddhi turns to that source of energy to be fully recharged and uh, merged into the source again. So yes, the buddhi is ultimately impersonal, but it is that which is able to make you a wise person but it is itself beyond the personal. Because there's that uh, sutra of Patanjali, that is the distinction between buddhi and purusha. Yes. So there seems to be another level of distinction mm -hmm. beyond buddhi. Well, the purusha is, the, uh, is when the buddhi has fully opened and is one with the absolute. The purusha is the cosmic man. That's the, the original meaning. It's that that capacity for cosmic consciousness that transcends both personal and impersonal. Uh, the buddhi is still, before that, operating at the individual level. It's trying to figure things out for you as a, a person. But the buddhi then becomes cosmic and, uh, and merges into the mind of God. Um, when you were speaking about the first stage, presence and just meditation, you spoke about inviting this higher power that it's, mm -hmm. you kind of have to do that. Mm -hmm. um, in my understanding, meditation is more of observation without expectation. Mm -hmm. And so my question is, how do you do that? And, and secondarily, how do you do that if if you come from sort of like an agnostic background, like for mm -hmm. me, I, I definitely believe in this kind of universal network of energy that we're all one mm -hmm. and kind of different manifestations of mm -hmm. universe, but that's not an individual like icon or something like that that can mm -hmm. be invited. So I'm curious. How yeah, well, I'm not saying to invite an icon. All I'm saying is, is exactly what you said. Be open to observing what is and you will observe that there is a presence beyond the ego. It's already there, okay? The inviting of it is really the attuning to it because it's very subtle and you can tune it out, and, and which most people do. But that presence that is beyond the ego is always there uh, making itself known if you're willing to become aware of it, okay? And then you realize, well, there is something greater. There is a source of my being. I'm not here independent of some source. 
and, and this consciousness that I am was here before the body existed. And so where did it come from? You don't have to ask those questions, but they will be answered by a realization that your energy derives from a higher source. And, uh, and, and that will become present. And the more you observe it, the more uh, that you, you will feel it. And if you welcome it, if you do invite it, you'll receive it more in a more accelerated and intense form. Okay? So it depends on how much intensity you want. I like a lot of intensity. So uh, I invite, I bring it on, you know, and it comes. Uh, but if you don't, if you can't handle a lot of energy, then you'll say, "Oh no, slow down! I don't want that much." But but the more that you're willing to perceive by attuning your mind to the subtlest level, the more of that energy you will get. But didn't you also say if it, if if you don't have some sort of form for it, it can be too too intense if you don't if you don't have a way to like recognize it in some way. If you're okay with formlessness, it's fine, right? If you seem to be coming from a Buddhist sort of orientation, a vipassana, right, kind of orientation. And if you are open to that, the Buddha nature is formless, right? So you will receive that energy of the Buddha mind and, uh, and be filled with it, and you don't need to, to, uh, to see an image of a sitting Buddha, right? Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's just a pure, a formless presence and power. And, uh, and if you uh, realize that, uh, that you have access to the Buddha mind because you are the Buddha, then you will enter very deeply into that power. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, I already asked one, but I can't remember. Sure, there's no quota here. So, don't worry. so going back to these uh, cycles, would it be right then that the, the real self doesn't really have uh, free will? Because it probably, or does it want to? The ego doesn't have free will. No. The real self uh, does, but you have to understand that the real self, you know, we're talking about the absolute, right? We're not talking about uh, the individual self. Uh, Atman is Brahman, as they say. The, in, the, the, the real self that you think is, is you is the cosmic self. It's not the individual. The two are in resonance, and, and you are a holon or a subset of the whole, and because it's a fractal uh, form, you, you represent a microcosm of the macrocosm, but you are one with the macrocosm. So that's what we're talking about. And at that level, there is no such thing as space or time. Okay, space-time is a, an illusion of a lower dimension. In fact, the entire universe from beginning to end is already always here, completely. Okay, in the same way that if you have a DVD, the whole movie is, is in it. You can put it in the machine and show it, and you can flip to any part of the movie you want to see, but the whole thing is there, right? So uh, we think we're going through time and space. That's just the ego as the point of the laser going through the information on the DVD. But the whole thing is already written. And so uh, there, there, nothing happens that, that isn't already predestined. And yet, because it's a circle, every point in the circle is the first point. Okay? So there's absolute free will at the same time that there's predestination because Where's the beginning of the circle? It's where you are now. And whatever you decide now will turn out to have been predestined, but you are free actually 
to do what you want in this moment if you understand the truth of who you are and you're not simply conditioned by the ego mind's patterns of behavior. And that freedom is what then allows you to change your destiny. It will be your destiny to have changed your destiny, but nonetheless, uh, it, it is, that is the freedom, and that's the paradox. Yeah. Because at the, the, the level of space-time, no, no, there is no free will. But at the, the level which is the author of the space-time movie that you're witnessing, yes. Uh, the, the auteur of that film, the director and author, has the ability to change it. And it's all been chosen, it's nothing... It's chosen because it's perfect the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. We couldn't improve upon it. God is the greatest artist <laughs> who has, has ever lived. In fact, let me give you some more points. Will you erase that, please? <laughs> Just a few, because we only have three minutes. But I, I made a few other notes, so I might as well give them to you now. I'll even let you write it. This is Purusha, by the way. This is the original cosmic man. <laughs> so we'll let him do everything. How many points? What's that? How many points? Uh, seven, of course. What do you expect? Here's, a, here's a, another one if you want it. Okay, seven helpful points for the journey. <laughs> Number one, everything is determined by the ordainer. So why struggle? Right? So that was your point. Sit back and enjoy. You're on the train anyway. Why carry your bags? Why worry, you know, about are we going in the right direction? The, the tracks are set and you're going to get where you're supposed to go. Okay. Number two, we okay? Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, ego is a fiction. Get over it. It's not real. Don't worry about the, the ego and its pathologies and defects and sins that it has committed and all of that. If you wait until you've made the ego perfect before you think you're worthy of liberation, you're never going to get there. No ego is perfect. It's not meant to be, especially in Kali Yuga. So uh, transcend it. That's how perfection is reached. Because the ego is a fiction, uh, you don't need to worry uh, about some staining of reality because of some sin you committed years ago that you can't forgive yourself for or anything else uh, that, that you're holding in your mind as an obstacle. Uh, if, because it's not real, don't uh, make it something that you think about. Keep the mind free and open and uh, stop reading that old novel of the ego and open up to uh, receiving a, a new truth. Okay, three, uh, the world is a dream, a holographic dream, if you will. So because it's a dream, your only function is to wake up. Okay, don't have any interest in the world. Let it go. Why, why should you be interested in your dream? It's your own creation anyway, but it has become a nightmare. You don't want to stay in a nightmare, you want to wake up from it. And then redream it, okay? So if you realize it's a dream and it's your dream, you have the power to redream it. Don't obsess about the state of the world. Okay, four. 
Are you ready? The more you pay attention to the source, the more you are transformed. Okay? It's very simple. It's a return on investment. If you pay attention to the ego and your sufferings and, and your symptoms and your, your worries, whether about money or love or uh, food or whatever it is that your mind obsesses about, then what you're going to get is just more suffering. If you pay attention to the source of love and wisdom and power, that's what you're going to get more of. Okay? So rewarded the more the, the more the more you are transformed. Okay, that's that's the the power that is going to uh, solve the problems of your life. Your ego can't solve them. Your ego caused them. Your ego sustains them. Your ego is the the cause of all the problems. The ego as an archetype is, is the problem that the world has. So Pay attention to that which is non-egoic, which is the real self, and then the ego is dissolved. All right. Five, complete surrender to the real self is the only way. There is no other Tao. There is no other escape hatch. There is no other way out from the unreal except the real and so the more you find out what is real in you, and it isn't your thoughts, and it isn't the emotions, it isn't the body, what is real in you is that pure awareness. The more that you stay immersed in that, the more the power that comes from that will be given. Okay, six. The more you share, the more you receive. Okay? Don't hoard the blessings that are given to you. The more you give them out, the more you use your energy in love, in compassion, to help others, the more you will receive so that you can help even more. But, but you will be helped as a byproduct of your helping others. So be as unselfish as possible, and uh, uh, that source will be as generous to you as possible. Generosity, kalyan, murti, that's the way. The more that we are become the embodiment of kalyan, the generosity, the more we become kuber, the uh, deity of the treasures of all of the uh, possible uh, jewels of God's wisdom and beauty and, 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 uh, and good karma that will be given. So, the final one is, yes, God is the artist who is at this moment putting the finishing touches on a perfect installation that we know as the cosmos. Okay? You can't compete with him, Hiwa. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, you, you can be part of what is being expressed by that artist. We are all microcosmic right. manifestations of that artist. But the real art is done by the mind of God. And the world itself is that artwork. And although everyone thinks we're going to hell in a handbasket, we're actually going to the kingdom of heaven uh, in a, uh, a, a flight of luminous, uh, etheric, uh, magical energy. 
So the world is being redreamed and transformed at this very moment, and it, it will manifest in a way that all will be able to see and appreciate at a certain moment. But those who get in at the ground floor and help it while it's still beneath the radar and who have to take the leap of faith because it's not obvious, those are the ones who get the most reward for having invested uh, at, at the uh, beginning of the, the process. The, the longer you wait, the less profit there is, as in any other investment. So again, there's a, a divine uh, economic system at work here. And if you buy the right stocks, uh, your uh, karma will be very good, and uh, you'll be able to cash out and uh, be uh, liberated from all of this. So I recommend that you uh, invest wholly in the one real self who is arranging the highest reward for all who surrender. Okay, that's my rant for the morning. Namaste. Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti podcast. For more information on programs and retreats, click on the calendar section of our website, www.satyoga.org. Our work is made possible by the generous support of our listeners, viewers, and members. To make a donation, please visit the donate page of our website. We thank you for your support in our mission to share this timeless wisdom with the world. Namaste.